He's still breathing. No, 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 no. Never shoot twice. Why? If you shoot twice, I can find you. He's dead anyway. How do you know? I used to uh, read a lot about Jedediah Smith and Jim Bridger. And the Blackfeet, if you shot twice, would know right where you were. My dad named me after Jed Smith. This is your first time, isn't it? Yeah. Why? You got a drink if it's your first. We did. What's it taste like? It's not too bad. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of salty, like a steak when you got a nosebleed, you know? You got to do it, Robert. It's the spirit of the deer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 132 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are starting our trilogy of Rebellion. Three movies about Rebellion. Our first is Red Dawn. Uh, we don't know what the next two are because we haven't chosen them yet. Thomas, before we talk about Red Dawn, will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Yes, Red Dawn, 1984 directed by John Milius, or Milius, however you want to pronounce it. It is the dawn of World War III. In the West Mountains of America, a group of teenagers band together to defend their town and their country from invading Soviet forces. Mm-hmm. So, already, <laughs> I was, like, thinking... I, I don't know, Red Dawn, to me, struck me as a rebellion movie, but really, it's they're defending the status quo, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like these inv- these invading forces, they're re- the re- rebelling against invading forces, but to preserve, uh, you know, the way things were before. I yes. guess so. It's like yeah. how much of this is rebellion? I don't know. Yeah, I def- it definitely feels like that. It has that spirit of rebellion to me. I think just the sort of plot of just like taking these kids and then basically forging them into these warriors for better or worse. Um, is a very interesting idea and they like fail at it and or like they're like not that great at sort of just being cold killers some of they're like there's a lot of time spent crying like most like that's one thing that sticks out to me i've seen this movie a couple of times since we've chosen it um like have watched it like intently and like very focused and i've had it on the background a couple of times and one thing that i always kind of dial in on is like in the first half, like they're killing, like they'll kill someone or someone will get killed. And there's just a scene of them just like crying at the, the camp or just like, just like weeping. And Patrick Swayze is like, don't cry. He's like, stop crying. Like, that's yeah. what Turn dad told something else. Yeah. And like, it does like, and like those moments definitely do feel like anti war to me in a way where like, it's just like, yeah, like they're, they're kids and they're like, they're not ready to be, you know, doing guerrilla tactics in like guerrilla warfare against these invading uh, Soviets. And the like the Nicaraguans, and also like the like it's there's a lot of parties involved. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's very interesting, and yeah, I, it's, I think it counts. It, it has this spirit of rebellion, but um, yeah, definitely defending the status quo. And that's not uh, even diving into the deep politics of of all of it. Yeah, because if anyone is a revolutionary here, it's kind of the invading force, but also they're like really bad. Yeah, I, I, it's it's kind of hard to. Digest, yeah. I think. Yeah, let's. I'll, I'll do this. I'll read the uh, the opening text because the film starts off with a very, very bold lay, uh, laying out of like 
where we are on the map, so to speak. Yeah, it's just it's just war. It's not like the invaders are stoking rebellion. It's just they're invading a place and murdering people. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, go ahead, me, go ahead. Read, read this because it comes on in some uh, the very beginning uh, in yellow text, very intense. Soviet Union suffers worse wheat harvest in 55 years. Labor and food riots in Poland. I love how it's like stagnant, the, the prose is. Soviet troops invade. Cuba and Nicaragua reach troop, troop strength goals of 500,000. El, El Salvador and Honduras fall. Green Party gains control of West German Parliament. Demands withdrawal of nuclear weapons from European soil. Mexico plunged into revolution. NATO dissolves. United States stands alone. That's our setup. Yeah. And so, so it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it starts with like a labor and food riots. So like, uh, I feel like, yeah, the, the motivation for Soviet Union invading America, maybe they're just like, you know, trying to get some more resources, maybe. <laughs> that could be a valid I, reason. I, I, I mean, they kind of try and go into the background of like, how did this shit start later on in the movie? And the explanation is basically uh, the two biggest kids on the block got yeah. into a fight. Like that it was like yeah. an inevitability. Yeah, um, essentially, and it, it, yeah, and it is messy, and it is kind of gloss over it, and like it's just to kind of focus on the kids. One moment I think is like really funny. Pull it like they're like the kids were like they retreat into the woods, and so they hide up there for a few weeks, and then they come back, and they're like walking through town, and the music has this tone of like everything's changed, everything's different. But then mm -hmm. like a Mexican dude walks by, he's just like ah, cómo está, and it's just like like it's like that's not too topsy turvy backwards, like you know, it's just a man speaking Spanish. Like, that's this is the worst thing these people could conceive of. Yeah, so it's just, it's just like John Milius is like his deepest worst nightmare. That's why it's hard for me to like love this movie because it's just like so deeply conservative and messy in its message. But it's just like I think it's fascinating because it has like this '80s vibe to it with like Swayze and Charlie Sheen and all these like young actors. Yeah, I mean that's why. So I saw this in high school, and that's why I liked it is because okay. It was... I, I'm seeing all these 80s stars, like who you just mentioned, Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen. We got uh, Ponyboy, a.k.a. Soul Man uh, yeah. in this. <laughs> we got Leah Thompson. Leah Th Jennifer Grey. <laughs> yeah. And so, at a certain point, you're just watching 80s teen stars with machine guns, yeah. <laughs> just like mowing down commies. And it's like, this is an insane thing that exists. And that is, like, the the appeal of it is, like, the novelty of it, of how absurd it is. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. There is something, like, you do kind of, there is this sort of fantasy of, like, if I had to get my high school crew together to fight guerrilla warfare, I, I don't know. There is, yeah, there is, like, a sort of, like, I don't want to say power fantasy because they're not really empowered. Yeah. <laughs> It There's a lot of, of desperation like, here. It reminds me of like the fun thought experiment with your friends when you're smoking or drinking. It's like, oh, what would you, who would you want with you in a zombie apocalypse? Exactly. Who, like, exactly. Who, who, who amongst your friends would you trust the most? Um, so yeah, so how would that you, play out? Yeah, you said you saw this in high school. How did that opening ambush feel to you when you saw it back then? See, like, I don't think it made an impression on me because it's not something I really thought about. Like gotcha. when I was rewatching this movie, I was like, damn, I don't remember any of this because. The way that plays out to me now is it's like kind of haunting it's kind of surreal yeah um like there, there's a lot of quiet and a lot of silence in this movie um i feel like the music is pretty sparsely used 
But in that intro, yeah, when you have these paratroopers descending and it doesn't, it's not this bombastic thing. It's just, it's kind of spooky. (laughs) And then there's a shot once they start shooting up the place, which is like, my my thought is like, what is the strategy here? Why are they doing this? Yeah, uh, down why the are they shooting up a high school? <laughs> uh, but like, once they start shooting up the place, there's a moment where we get a shot of uh, the front door of the school looks like it's wide open, and someone is like, one of the soldiers is like launching a, a rocket through that door, and so we get a shot from the inside of the school looking out, and there's a student, a guy who is just like huddled he's not i don't he's not huddled in the corner he's standing in a corner just like facing the corner oh, as no. this like rocket flies through the door past him and blows up and it's re- it's a really quick shot but there's something about like he's not facing the camera he has his yeah. back to the camera and he's just like forehead against the wall well, I didn't there's something notice really that. weird about that yeah that, that's awesome because like, i think yeah the opening ambush is one of the strongest sequences of the movie um and a shot i didn't notice is in that exact same sequence there's like a, a very brief moment where you just see a student literally just like hung over outside of a window oh, yeah. like a, and i was just like holy yeah. shit like this is like hitting very differently in 2023 now it's like in it's like yeah. yeah this crazy power fantasy back then but now it's like just truly haunting in a way um and also i sort of really dial in on the the black t-shirt being the first death very uh, quickly very you know it bothered me at first but now i've seen this movie so much I've, it almost feels like it's double back and become somewhat comical that i feel like it's just like it's so abrupt and so quick that it's like he's teaching them about like about the huns and he's giving like this great speech so clearly yeah. he's, like clearly he understands like this military strategy and it's like very heavy and then he like sees the parachutes falling down he's like oh let me just walk directly towards that and it's like just gets mowed down it's like okay yeah just, yeah that's like the fastest these guys <laughs> the fastest i've seen their character get erased yeah. Another thing I want to mention is during that, there's a part where like a soldier just like just cle- completely sprays bullets into a car, and like a character's in there hiding. And mm-hmm. I didn't really focus on it too much first couple of times, but then uh, this last rewatch, I was like, okay, uh, the ma- the model of the make kind of stuck out to me as a Pontiac Ventura, and I think it's an interesting choice that it's a Pontiac because Pontiac is owned by GM. And if you're not familiar with cars, GM is basically as American as you can fucking get with a, with hmm. a car. And also, a uh, movie reference, um, if you've seen Smokey and the Bandits, the Bandits drove a Pontiac Trans Am. So I feel like the Pontiac, in like maybe for like the 80s, the Pontiac was like the definitive, like, cool male American Americana. car. Americana. Yeah, and to see it just, like, get completely shot up by the Soviets felt like a... Like a, it felt like a choice. It felt like it definitely felt like a choice. Uh, what do you make of these performances? Uh, I really like Patrick Swayze a lot. I think he definitely carries the movie in a really major way, especially in the scenes at like. There's two scenes that stick out. There's one, is when they go see the dad inside of the prison camp, and uh, Charles Dean Stanton or uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Sorry, Harry Dean Stanton is fantastic in that scene. But yeah, Patrick is just great as just like sort of just reacting and kind of like trying to really hold it together. But also at the campfire when they're sort of, he's like kind of just basically quarterbacking and starts delegating. And a couple of them are like, well, why do we have to listen to you or whatever? I just love that the camera is just like wide shot behind everybody. You don't even really see Patrick Swayze's face throughout most of the scene. He's his back to the camera and he like wrestles the kid down and like throws him down. So it gets a little physical, but 
and, uh, then, then at the end, he's like, all right, now that we're all on team, like, huddle up, get close to the fire, get warm. Like, he, like I just really love just, like, his delivery, even though it's, I don't know, it's, it feels like the character progressions aren't, like, the major focus, but I, I do appreciate him in this movie. What about um, there? I, th- I want to say there's a part where C. Thomas Howell, uh, it's after, God, is it after he's killed someone? I don't know, but there's there's a part where like he just says the same line three times in a row, and with like a ton of space between each time he says it, and it really stood out to me because I was like, we didn't need to see him say that three times, uh, like we could have cut at any time, but it it was just drive driving the moment home, and it felt like it was letting the performance breathe. There's gotcha. like, and, and I think that's when I I, I kind of became a little more fixated on how quiet some of these scenes are where it feels like there's just this underlying desperation as they're out in the woods. Like yeah. things are not good. <laughs> I kind of wish we got some more like survival stuff. Uh, yeah. Without well, roughing hey, you it. get to see a kid drink the blood of a deer. <laughs> yeah. And it does change him. It's he becomes the most ruthless one out of all of them. Yeah. I like that scene, how it kind of, yeah, you just, when he's done with it, he's just like his chin just covered in blood. He's just like, yeah, it's not bad. It's like it's like yeah. a very subtle change. Um, also, wanted to mention the the firing squad scene is like really brutal of like the kids singing like the national oh, anthem, yeah. and then like there's like that one politician who's, or I don't know if he's a politician, but there's a one guy who's like working with the opposition, and the then mayor. he's like, yeah, he's there and he witnesses it happen, and then he kind of just like like curls up into his coat it's just like i don't know that, that scene is very brutal but it works for me and i think it kind of goes back to the director sort of just being kind of a crazy person and just like like really being into this violence it's like i don't know it's there effective. was a there was this hardcore band i used to listen to called charles bronson uh and <laughs> <Nice>. they <laughs> they sample that moment in one of their songs and so oh <laughs> it was cool like stumbling across that the first time i saw it just them singing oh beautiful uh, and then just getting yeah a machine gun fire yeah very gnarly yeah and then another great sort of reaction moment because swayze and charlie sheen they're both there like like another like little layer of voyeurism to it they're like watching this happen it's just like more horrific things sort of playing out in front of them um, what do you think of the the girls in the movie here, Leah Thompson? And, uh... I, I do like their addition. I think it's a very crass line how they're introduced when the the, de- the guys yeah. like I have some uh, got an heirloom for you or like just the, the the way he says it is just like oh, this is a, a shitty way to to, to sort yeah, of describe that. I'm just gonna give but, these my, these two girls to these teenage boys who yeah. live in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate their inclusion into the plot, even though some of the, the boys are just, like, really dumb and just like, why are you, like, so sad? They're like, because fucking the, the country is falling apart and people are getting killed, but they're just, like, yeah. sort of be, sort of looking at them like they're just dumb girls, which is unfortunate, but they it's like sort of... He- it's heavily implied they've been sexually assaulted, too. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's, it's fucking very rough, but I do, like, get, like, Leah Thompson just, like, walking into, like, the building or whatever and it's like planting a bomb or it's like whatever like that moment is like i also i enjoy that when they actually start like fighting back and they're like using them as like distractions or something like tactics i don't know it's, i think it kind of worked out they're also I, shooting people too like they're also yeah. like yeah. i enjoy every shot of her like with a machine gun because it's yeah. just it just looks so fucking cool yeah uh, 
Yeah, and that's why yeah, I wanted to mention, I feel like a, th- a reason why I think this movie also has, like, this reverence to it is, like, I feel like if you squint your eyes, you can sort of pretend like this is an Amblin movie from, like, an alternate universe. And I, I've been thinking about that for a while after, while watching this, and then while reading the Wikipedia article today, I found out that the original screenwriter actually was, like, a mentor, so a close worker with Spielberg. And so he, his original idea was more like, yeah, like it's anti-war. It's like about the kids. And then I guess John Milius showed up and was like, no, let's kind of dial it up and sort of get more militant with it. Have just like full on like tank sequences. Cause he, like he showed up, showed up and sort of like changed it. He wanted to make it like a teen Rambo. And so and that is what we got essentially. Yeah. It's like watching this, I couldn't help but think, oh, this, this, this would make a good remake. And then I remember, oh, they actually <laughs> did remake this. And oh, it's bad. I didn't see it, but yeah, yeah. It looked, it looked shitty. But it's yeah. like, I feel like, like I said, like, I think it would have been cool to like lean more into like the survival aspects. Yeah. Lean more into like the desperation of the situation. Cause yeah. like, the, I, I think the sort of doom and gloom of this is the part that appeals to me most, even though like, I- I've just yeah. been saying like, it's fucking rad when we get to see like yeah. Leah Thompson with the machine gun and stuff. Uh, but that's because like in retrospect, we're dealing with these eighties icons. Yeah. And so that's what adds novelty to it. I, I-, I don't know if you could really plan that now. Uh, yeah, um, maybe, re- maybe Harmony Korine did with Spring Breakers a little bit, but yeah, maybe <laughs> I feel like yeah, the remake was just too macho and just too like washed out. Mm-hmm. And one okay. one thing I want to go back to, you mentioned like the silence in the movie, and one like musical sting that I really like, and it's kind of like the thing that kicks off like the whole montage of the Wolverines kind of fighting back is this moment where. Uh, Leia Thompson does like a damsel in distress thing and like leads these soldiers into an open field and mm-hmm. then the three dudes pop up out of the ground and like mow them all down that we get like this great like music sting and then that kicks off the whole like Wolverine's montage which is a great way to start it in the remake they like rush to that scene within like the first like 20 minutes of the movie and like it was just like <coughs> this seems weird like there's no like yeah, build up. up yeah so you need like for yeah you need the moments where like they're just dumb kids like scrounging for batteries and now now they're just like arguing about like yeah. whether we go back or not and you know you need that slow build up to them being actual like competent guerrilla war, war warriors because we that. eventually get to like it's snowing and stuff like they've yeah. had to survive out here for a while yeah i was gonna ask like does that feel like a straight up like empire strikes back ripoff <laughs> oh i don't know because like i, I was I I didn't think of that, but... Because I was watching it this time, and I was like, this, like, is 80... Uh, when did this come out? 84? Uh, yeah, like, 84, so I feel like we're still sort of near around that era. Like, not super far removed from it, like the remake in 2012, but I feel like 84 is still a little bit closer. And then seeing them just, like, all run around in, like, all the white just kind yeah. of reminded me of some of those shots in Empire Strikes Back. Patrick Swayze riding a Tauntaun... Getting it open and sleeping inside it. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do you make of this villain? His name's Ernesto, so it's obviously a Che Guevara analog. Yeah. yeah, I like. There's a really fantastic moment where um, it's later on in the film. The Wolverines have been kicking their asses for a little bit, um, 
and he like he's walking through there's it's actually two things there's he's walking through and it's like all the his men are dead and he's just mm-hmm. like these men are from mexico or whatever and it's, it kind of hit me i was like yeah like, these are all like brown people dying for like this like cause which i think is an interesting like is dated it feels racist but i think it's just an interesting point but then there's like a another official kind of tearing into him he's like yeah like these are just wolverines like they're just a pest we can we can get them like this is going to be very easy we just got to like just up our strength and, he, and ernesto's just like curling up in his seat kind of like just like don't look at me right now like it's just a good like performance moment it is interesting that they give him this uh conflict where it's like he doesn't really believe in what he's doing because yeah. he's yeah he hasn't been on the side of like conquerors before yeah, and I think that's a, a an addition that helps the tapestry of what's going on. I feel like there's definitely a lot to be... I think there's definitely some things to be desired and some things, like, sort of missing. Um, it, it feels like they kind of lean into it a little late. Yeah. Uh, like, he has, like, this kind of major shift that comes at the end, and I feel like... I don't, I don't know, it feels a little tacked on to me. Yeah, and then we just spend more time with the kids and just doing their yeah. their thing. And then when Powers Booth shows up, we see we like kind of pause a little bit to sort of get his take on what's happening and like get more narrative information on like where things are standing. And then we like follow along with him and have this weird relationship with him and Leia Thompson, which I'm like not too crazy about either. Yeah, very weird. <laughs> yeah, which I think there like, was more of that like ended up on the cutting room floor. Which is oh. good. <laughs> My uh, headphones came unplugged by accident. Uh-oh. Okay. I'm back. Cool, cool. Um, so, what do you think about, like, the second execution scene when they, like, kill their prisoner of war? And there's, like, kill? this... I'm struggling to remember like, that. So I, like, I, later... I, I will say I re I started to rewatch it last night because it had been a while and I didn't finish yeah. it. Gotcha, for sure. <laughs> I fell asleep. Yeah, there's some some interesting things that happen kind of like later on. One of the things that I really like is they like get this prisoner essentially and one of the girls is like Specken she Deutsch and one of the kids is like so what if he does? Like you don't and I just thought that was a, a really good back and forth. But then it, it eventually boils down to like they're being followed and someone needs to be killed for it and then there's like a debate uh, yeah. on who's gonna do it and, and they ask the question straight up he's like what's the difference between us and them and Patrick Swayze says oh we live here and then he just kills them and I don't that's know, the best scene in the movie cause it's yeah. brutal and it's yeah. like he doesn't wanna do it Pony Boy is the one who steps up yeah. and does it yeah see I personally I think the the scene where the dad is talking to him that's my favorite scene in the movie oh Harry Dean Stanton yeah, that's my favorite scene. Yeah, because he's, he's just very quiet, and then he just explodes with the "Avenge me!" And then it gets like it's it's very like calm and subdued, and then it turns into like actual '80s movie shit at the very end of it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I love that execution scene. Like, <laughs> I, there's something about like the way it's shot too. Like, I, I think we're yeah. most of the time sitting with this fairly wide shot where we have uh, I think it's Daryl on the left who's the one to be executed. Yeah. The others are on the right. Patrick Swayze doesn't want to do it. He's got all this internal conflict. Yeah. And then Robert just opens fire with like a machine yeah. gun. Yeah, and it's yeah. like and we're sitting in that shot for a long time. Like we're breathing and sitting with the tension for a long time. Uh and so it makes it really potent when that the tension is uh, ceased, I guess. Yeah. I agree. I think yeah, there's some like really 
good shots in this movie that stuck with me as I've rewatched it more times. One in particular in the beginning when they're leaving town and like one of their friends gets like left behind and just like is swarmed by soldiers and there's like just a shot of like the truck just like swerving out as like as it just goes out. It's just like a great wide shot and another reason why even though there is like a sleek remake of this quote unquote sleek or like a modern remake of this like yeah. there's just so much more charm in this older version and, and even though the politics might be muddy and messed up and <laughs> there's there's like some great stuff here i think um yeah when i first watched it ap- after we agreed to you know talk about it I, I like wrote in my notes like I'm not into these performances like I think this writing is sloppy but then I picked it up again last night in preparation for this and I was like what what was I thinking like these performances are fine <laughs> like yeah. I was actually like kind of I was pretty into them um, yeah um, performances are yeah solid all around for considering yeah these are like a lot of these actors like the beginning of their careers and they went on to go do even bigger things um, yeah and it ends very poetically tragically sadly like the uh, the, the death at the the playground it was like uh, covered in snow it's like i don't know just there's some, it's good there's some good stuff i just think yeah it's politically messy <laughs> if you get start dealing with all of that stuff it is weird because we don't totally know what the aftermath is like yeah no uh, like poli- like politically like what happened to the world what happened to the, like supposedly the united states won the war but I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a little strange. Yeah, kind of leaves it open. Yeah, but they said that this nation shall not perish. Yeah. So. Um. Anything? Any final thoughts about Red Dawn? Uh, it's interesting watching it in 2023 and hearing that the Chinese were allied with the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, and also with the remake, uh, they originally had they filmed it as the Chinese as the enemy, and then in post production changed it to Korea, which I yeah. think is very problematic and very interesting. <laughs> um, also, uh, in Wikipedia, there's an article mentioned that uh, in 2020, in the Russian invasion of Ukraine, some Ukrainian soldiers are spray painting Wolverines uh, yes. on Russian tanks. I did which I think read about is, that. Yeah, which I think is kind of cool and also fascinating that yeah this movie from the 80s sort of can be recontextualized in that sort of rebellion context and an actual conflict which is yeah that is interesting yeah a lot of messiness with all of that too yes yeah (laughs) yes 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 but yeah it's a rebellion yeah anything else on a red dawn um no, I think that's it. I think I'm good. What have you cool. been watching lately? Um, well, writer's strike is pending, supposedly over, which is cool. Yeah. Hopefully, they got the deal they need. They held the line. Hopefully, they they got 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 the deal done. And so, there's been like a flood of like trailers and stuff, sort of trickling out movie posters and announcements and small things. Um, two small things I want to mention. There's like, two new episodes of Hey You Guys that came out that are that are great. I know you were the person that sort of mentioned that to me. I forget the name of the animator. Um, um I don't recall. Um, <laughs> hey You Guys? Are you? Sh- are, did I tell you about Hey You Guys? I don't think I know Hey You Guys. Yeah, uh, Unless, I'm, I'm I, just gonna. Yeah. 
Let me just briefly pull up my. Um, is it oh you boys or whatever? No, haha you clowns. Sorry, haha you clowns. Oh, that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, sorry, the haha you clowns. So yeah, there's two new episodes of that. So the, I watched those earlier. That was really funny. Okay, um, I don't think I realized there was new episodes of that. Yeah. Um, and then there's a new trailer teaser for the new Nathan Fielder show, The Curse. With, Which I still uh, haven't watched that teaser. Gotta get yeah. to it. It's interesting. Um, I won't spoil it, but those are just two things that I watched immediately before we talked. But um, yeah, I beat Jedi Survivor. It's really, really good. Oh, I have not beat it. Sorry, no, not Survivor. Jedi, oh. uh, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Fallen Order. <laughs> Beat Jedi, Fallen Order. Law and Order. Yes. yes, a beat Fallen Order. Fucking loved it. Had a great time playing it. Um, uh, yeah, that, yeah, there's like a reveal at the end, which is, yes. which is very satisfying. Yeah, so spoilers for Fallen Order uh, if you haven't played it or beaten it. Um, so when I was playing it, I was having a couple beers, and the set piece of, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode, but yeah, the set piece of when you show up to Kashyyyk is just, like, amazing. There's an a, a attack happening there. You sort of fly down, you land in the water, you work your way up to an ATAT, and you ambush it, you hijack it, and then Saul Guerrero shows up. And so mm-hmm. once he showed up, I was like, okay, now I, I have a, a better idea of where we are on the timeline. So yeah, by the time you get to the end, a really cool, solid boss fight. I like the final boss. Um, I liked anytime there was like a, a one-on-one lightsaber duel it was always usually well done in that game because uh, the combat was really solid. Um, but yeah, but then when Vader shows up at the end and it becomes like this chase thing, it's like, oh, this is really fucking cool because yeah. it's like a nice little uh, sub- uh, kind of you make you think like you're gonna fight Darth Vader, but no, you're just gonna actually like run away from him because you're not gonna yeah, fucking fight Darth course. Vader. He's, he's, he's you're gonna not gonna crush beat him. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna crush your skull <laughs> with his with his hands. So don't do that. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed playing that, and yeah, that was like the main thing. Just like worked on grinding through that. Um, there was a uh, new season of Survivor started last oh. night. Um, okay, I'm gonna start watching it because I think it'll be yeah. fun to watch that alongside each other. Yeah, something happened, which I parent like I won't spoil it, but something happened, which I don't think has ever happened before on the show, which I think is worth the entry price alone, because I think it's definitely like some, some cool things are happening at the moment. Okay. And also, this season features someone who was medically evacuated within like the first twelve hours from the first episode from last season. Like he dove oh, okay. in, yeah, he like went into like a. a dive too quickly and hit like his head and got evacuated literally before you know they got back to their their islands and then the, he's like all right he's out but now he's back and so it's cool seeing his personality and what what he actually is like and so that's kind of a cool thing but yeah season 45, 45. back on the island okay. <laughs> and that's just like the u.s survivor there's like australian survivor and like yeah. all these different countries too yeah, and then they were airing the ads for Amazing Race, which was coming on right after. And I was like, oh, you told me about that. And I, and looks looks interesting. It's like, yeah, Amazing Race. So we watched another season that was like really weak because they started introducing these challenges at the end of each race where, at the end of each leg of the race, where gotcha. you show up, you have to do some sort of challenge. You, I think you show up, you have to wait for another team so that you can compete against each other. Whoever loses 
loses has to stay and wait for the next team so that they can compete against each other. Oh, so complete, like it completely ruins that, like the the lead that you have in some cases. Yeah, um, it's like you might like you might as well. Why are you even having the race? Like just have yeah. a competition. Uh, yeah, sometimes. I, I've noticed that like people will mention people who've been watching Survivor since the beginning have like said like yeah there's some rules in this new era that sort of do that with Survivor where it kind of nullifies some things yeah, like some I, of the game yeah. yeah some of like some of the immunities and idols are just like just so ridiculous but I don't know it's it's reality TV I <laughs> it's like at, at a certain point it's just going to continue to just ramp up and get per- mutated and you know changed and that's there was. Just, there was one season of Survivor I watched where, like, one team, I I think it was like the two teams had converged. Uh, one of the teams, before the teams were combined, had very few people. So like they they when they merged teams, they had like a disadvantage. Like everyone yeah. who was on the the smaller team previously, and so they were still trying to like hold on to their alliance, but they knew they didn't have the votes. And they managed to find, like, enough immunity idols that they could, like, <laughs> completely change, like, the flow of the game. It yeah. was just, it was it was really exciting to watch because it's like, oh, they're sitting on these idols. The other team doesn't even fucking know. And now they get a chance to, like, blindside someone of the votes. And it's like, it's such a nerdy, <laughs> it's such, yeah, like, yeah. I'm listening to myself talk about this and I'm like, what a fucking nerdy show to get, like, hooked on. But it was yeah. thrilling television. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't invested. Now, yeah, now I'm deep in it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, last season was very fun. Looking forward to this one. Um, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, I've been... I'm all caught up on Ahsoka. Um, it's it's gotten a lot... I'm a lot more interested in it than I was at the beginning. I feel like it started off pretty poorly, um, I think the actress who plays Sabine does not do a good job. <laughs> um, but I think everyone else, you know, they're kind of, they've kind of grown into their characters. Okay. Um, what's her name? Mary Elizabeth Weinstead. She plays a character named, I think, Hera. And I, I feel like her plot line is completely dull to me. <laughs> it's just about her, like, you know not following orders from the Republic or whatever and get in trouble gotcha. for it. And that's about it. Gotcha. It's just like gotcha. not gotcha. interesting. Um, but I'm really curious to know what people think of the show who haven't watched Star Wars Rebels because I can't imagine it makes any sense to them. But yeah, I'm, I'm really eager to watch it. I think Fallen Order sort of got me back into Star Wars in mm-hmm. a weird way because like I don't know, just like the whole like lightsaber thing. Uh, like I just dialed in on that, and I started watching like lightsaber build videos. Oh yeah, these like uh, hack. I, I can't even remember. They're like hacksaw industries or something. But these guys on YouTube, they're pretty crazy. But, we yeah, were. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, like in the ramp up to Emily and I going to Disneyland, I I had started playing Jedi Survivor, and Ahsoka had just started. And so I was like, all right, like, let, let's, let me, let's get excited about Star Wars again. Like, I'm going to be going yeah. to the Star Wars <laughs> land and like, let's get excited yeah. about Star Wars again. So now yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm back. Uh, I feel like I, I know they're going to have to tie in the sequel trilogy, which is like such a weak set yeah. of movies, such a weak story. I'm like, I'm hoping that what they can do, and I know they're not going to do this, but it's like, 
it's a big ass fucking universe it's space just like why does it like your whole story doesn't have to revolve around like you could just go off and have a separate story yeah, yeah. uh that coincides with you know rise of skywalker and all that stuff um yeah, yeah. and then just have rise of ha- make it feel like all the sh- shit with the first order and rise of skywalker that shit's like not the most important thing that was happening in the galaxy at that time yeah yeah uh, yeah, just, yeah. Take a, a note from the Animatrix and just you know, just show us some some whimsy on the other parts of the world. Um, yeah. And that that page is called Hacksmith Industries. Um, these guys, they're they're uh-huh. just like very good. Um, basically, and their their main thing is like making nerdy movie shit. So like, oh, let's make Spider Man web shooters or like an actual Captain America metallic shield. And so they made like an actual. The, the, a couple earlier lightsabers had like the battery pack attached to it, but mm-hmm. now they're like making actual wireless ones. That's, that's like Weird. A, a propane thing. It's like gnarly, incredibly dangerous shit. It's like these these nerds are on the front lines. They're gonna get us the real lightsabers in like ten years. We're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be bored because our lightsabers are broken. And we have to take them to the store for repair. <laughs> um, did they? I saw something recently. Did they make? I haven't watched Attack on Titan. But I saw a video of someone making like a grappling hook thing from Attack on Titan, mm. where it's like they wear it around their waist and it yeah, shoots. Traveled. <laughs> yeah, it shoots these like sharp spears on ropes <laughs> into the sky that like pierce a wall, and then he like is able to pro- repel from the wall, or or like not repel because he's like floating upwards, uh, yeah, yeah, and climbing the wall. I remember when I saw that for the first time, I was like, this is so, like, badass, but also so anime, because it's, like, such a specific thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, their modes of transportation is, like, these huge wheels on their hips with these yeah, these grappling hooks. And so they're, like, flying, like, hip-first, kind of. So they're, like... Yeah, it's like it's, it's, like, all, like, lateral. And, like, this is, like, kind of goofy, but, like, this is also really cool, because they're, like, going through the forest and shit. Yeah, like, it's, like... Going from street to street. Steampunk web-slinger sort of thing. Yeah, I was like, this is, this is cool. But yeah, some no, guy they, made that. Yeah. And it's like he has like uh lasers on it so that he can actually like aim the yeah, yeah. grappling hooks. It seems super yeah. fucking dangerous. Yeah, it's like these guys are yeah, always <laughs> on the edge. I'm like, yeah, that seems incredibly dangerous. These guys made a like a, a large it's like a, a mechanical spider basically, but it's like a bunch of like I don't know what the the thing is that just like digs earth out of the ground. Mm. It's like a like that thing. They like got six of them and then like welded them together, and it's just like this monstrosity that's like expelling an unhealthy amount of gasoline. It's like yeah. it's dangerous to be on, but they're like, yeah, he's like, I wanted to make it, and they gave me the budget, so <laughs> like I'm gonna do it. And yeah, a year later, he's like, okay, this is <laughs> this is done. I need to walk away from this. Um. Yeah, trying to go back to uh, what have I been watching? I can't think of anything else. <laughs> that might be it. I'm taking a break from Baldur's Gate. I okay. finished. I've put in about 75 hours into that game. Finished Act Two. I still have Act Three to go. Um, I picked Cyberpunk 2077 back up because they just launched uh, 2.0 patch. So yeah, I might dive back into that. Yeah, I have like a few days left on my GeForce Now subscription, so I was like, all right, I might as well play this for a little bit, get a yeah. feel for it. If I get hooked again, then I'll resubscribe, but uh, yeah, whatever. Maybe I, I might wait until down the line when the Phantom Liberty's cheaper or something. Yeah. 
yeah so it's always good to put it on the shelf come back it, it'll be discounted in the future yeah uh i feel uh, like i saw something in the theaters but i cannot think of what i'm gonna go see the creator on sunday Ooh. okay yeah right on. are you gonna be around when do you go yeah. back to la um either monday or tuesday sunday we're gonna take my dad for korean barbecue for his birthday okay but that is early in the day well, we are seeing it at 11.45 a.m. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. And then afterwards, I think we we might do some sort of, like, pizza party with Emily's cousin. Oh, cool. Um, Fun. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. Oh, oh, we I've saw been... Haunting in Venice. That's what we saw oh, recently. Oh, okay. Gosh. It was gosh. fine. It's the only okay. one of these I've seen. Um, yeah, I haven't seen any of these. It was... Uh, I don't know, we saw it in Dolby, so of course we're seeing it on this like big, beautiful, bright screen. And just all these shots of Venice, and it looks fantastic. But because these shots look so great, you really feel when they cut away from them. And because Kenneth Branagh has this like infatuation with canted angles and stuff, you really feel those edits. Um, gotcha. And so I felt like I felt like the editing really sucked at the beginning. Huh. Um, okay. Yeah, and I really didn't care for the structure of the movie because it feels like it feels like he, the detective is just Perot. He's just interviewing a suspect, interviewing another suspect, interviewing another suspect, going through each suspect, and then yeah. solving the mystery. And so it's like I, I would have appreciated if like we interview each suspect, we get to know who each one of them are, and now that we have a thorough understanding of what these ingredients are. Let's have the ingredients interact with each other. Let's, let's play around, uh, with these characters, but nope. It's like, once you met everybody, it's time to solve the mystery. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. My own, the only thought I have to that is like, maybe that was like a COVID thing possibly, or like, there's like maybe, maybe, or just bad writing. I don't, know. I don't, I don't I think, don't. well, so I, I was talking to somebody else and they were, they said they had seen the other two and they were like, yeah, they're all kind of like that. So, okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. Maybe it's just, I think it's, <laughs> it's just, just bad script. Yeah. 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 Well, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think that's all from me. Cool, cool, cool. That's been episode 132 of Vague Zone. We haven't chose the next Rebellion film, but there'll, oh, there'll be another. Oh, I got I got, a, I got, one. Oh, whoa. I spoke <laughs> way too soon. Forgive me. Uh, what, what do you have? So this will be my have? choice. I want to watch this movie called Over the Edge. Um, it's from... I don't think it's from 1979. Oh, it is. It's from 1979. Okay. I didn't realize it was that old. Um, it's okay, with... Cool. Um, What's his name? Matt Dillon. It's oh, been okay. a movie that's cool. been on my list for a long time. Never seen it. Gotcha. Cool. So next time for Rebellion, 1979's Over the Edge. Not the Steve Carell squirrel heist film Over that's the a, Edge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't Not that you. film. But I might watch that movie. Do just you think Over the <laughs> Hedge is inspired by Over the Edge at all? I'm not sure. I don't know about Over the <laughs> okay. Edge <laughs> at all, but looking forward to it. Oh. Yeah, Matt Dillon's film debut. Oh, okay. Fascinating. Cool. Well, this has been episode 132 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one, and thank you for listening. Oh.